3: about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Tops market. The
4: suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. If
3: we're gonna have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truth.
4: Good morning. This is Dave Debo. On the program today, we continue our look at some of the groups that are working on the east side in the wake of 514. Coming up in just a little bit, Jay Moran will be here with Kimberly Kaziolka and Bradford Watts there with the Parent Network of Western New York, a group that works with people who already had special needs before they were perhaps exacerbated by the situation from the shooting. They are people, obviously, that too are, are uh, doing some work in the community. So that's going to be our focus today. But for uh, the balance of the time between now and then, let's bring in Chichi Owone. He is the community. Uh, I'm sorry, the corporate responsibility officer and community relations manager for KeyBank in Buffalo and Rochester. And they have an initiative that really made me think we've got to get him in on the program and talk a little bit about this. You folks have started with a farmers market. We had uh, Candice Moppins in a, a couple weeks ago from the Delvin Grider Community Center, and she was talking about that and, and mentioned that it's something that KeyBank is, is intricately involved in. So we'll get to that, and I'm glad that you're here. But I want to start out the conversation with um, more of a broad discussion on needs. What do you see in the east side right now? What do you think is the biggest problem or maybe the biggest need that they have? Um, well, Dave, thank you so much uh, Glad for to have you. having me here. Um,
2: it's, uh, it's really an honor. Um, I think, so I moved back three years ago, June 2019, to take on the work of uh, the East Side. So I was the program director for a program called the East Side Avenues Initiative. With you, me with UVRI, exactly UV. So this was um, the project implementation team is UBRI. Uh, and as you know, as some of our listeners may know, um, that program was a public-private philanthropic partnership where the state kicked in $65 million and we were able to raise another 8.4 million from local uh, foundations and Private entities, <clears throat> and the whole point was uh, the economic revitalization of Buffalo's East Side.
4: So, so you came into it with I don't want to say preordained, but with some background knowledge on just what problems, despite 514, before 514, exactly, m- were already inherent in the community. A- exactly. What were they?
2: Well, one of the things that came out of uh, a long study and listening to community members, one of the things that came out of that was the need for jobs, the need for improvement on main streets, on main streets being Mm -hmm. the four corridors. Um, Because as you know, the east side, there's a lot of vacant properties. There's a lot of abandoned buildings. So as a result of having those conversations, With community members um, we came up with our five main programs that we thought would be able to help move things forward to essentially build upon what was already there and one of those programs is called Eastside commercial districts program a grant program that provided grant dollars to business owners that own commercial properties for interior and exterior improvements to their property And that was to help fight Blythe and abandonment. And the hope is that once we were able to do this, you could then encourage more investments on the east side. Another program that we actually run that was incredibly successful, at least I spent an ordinary amount of time on that program, is what we call the Community-Based Real Estate Development Training Program. And it was basically a real estate development course um, 19 to 23 weeks where we put uh, folks aspiring developers that own commercial properties on the
4: east side through this course in partnership with the uh, UB oh now see when you first described it I thought it would be home ownership education you're talking about how to invest in an area that needs the investment correct okay but more importantly how
2: to get the folks who live in those neighborhood to drive the economic revitalization of their own neighborhoods. So we're talking about folks who own commercial properties, but just did not necessarily have the wherewithal on what to do with them. So we put them through this, the equivalent of of, of a master's level real estate development training program uh, to teach them the, the super nuts of um, commercial building uh, development. And I think we are now in the uh, the third Uh, iteration of that program and graduates after graduation uh, they have access to funds set aside to help them develop um,
4: you know properties that they may own or do infill projects I don't want to be a pessimist here but has it worked because anyone who goes to the east side I think still sees vacant buildings still sees a little bit of blight still sees a lack of investment
2: well yeah so the program started about three years ago um, and Obviously, the ills of the east side, the challenges... Are bigger
4: than any one program.
2: No, right. I realize that when I and, ask the and, question. And those things sure. you know, do take time. But I think it's um, it's it's a right start. And I think eventually,
4: though, the, the fruits of those labors will start to pay oh, off. Small seeds in the ground, maybe a sprout, but not a tree yet. Yes. Okay. Then let's fast forward to 514. The Tops shuts down. The community talks a lot about the fact that there's a food desert there some even call it food apartheid the only supermarket in approximately three miles is no longer part of the equation you were boots on the ground
3: mm-hmm.
4: what did you see so if i 14 happened on a saturday
2: i was actually outside working on my car <laughs> um I got text messages, I got phone calls, and I wasn't entirely sure what was going on. Sure. And it was when I finally got another text message that someone told me that, you know, there's been mass shooting on the east side. And I was just completely numb. Um, I did not speak with anyone that day. I just, I, I couldn't, mm-hmm. I just was glued to uh to the news alerts. But the next day, um, Despite being very, very angry about the situation, I realized that I had to do something. And I knew that I was in a position to do something because of my current role as the Corporate Responsibility Officer and Community Relations Manager for Key Bank covering this wonderful city of ours. I made few phone calls. Um, I believe by the third phone call I was talking to Candace Moppet. So I I know I spoke Mm -hmm. to
4: Alex Wright. Sure. Um because obviously Alex is the African American food co-op organizer. Correct. Who wants to try and have not necessarily a supermarket, but I guess a A co-op. Over on Carlton Street. Right. A co-op that ensures that the community
2: is part of, you know, the ownership.
4: Yeah. Another option besides a tops that people don't necessarily want to go to. Correct. So I spoke with Candace Moppins.
2: I think Candace was the third person whom I spoke with. And I asked her, What do we do? The only supermarket on the east side is no longer, and who knows how long it's going to take for it to come back online. What do we do? How can we how can I help? How can mm-hmm. we help? And she told me that they have a 10 passenger van that is out there in the parking lot that they've used for delivery services for seniors. And sometimes they use it to take seniors to grocery stores to pick up stuff. So I said, great. So let's fill it with food. Let's 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 fill it with food. And she said, well, unfortunately, it has flat tires. Uh. So is that a commission at the moment? So I said to her, oh, so what's the plan? And I think she said something to the effect of Tomorrow's Monday. We're going to get it to a mechanic shop and, 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 and fix it. And I said to her, <laughs> I said to her, um, I don't think we can wait till tomorrow. Let's let's fix that now. So she said, mm. what are your ideas? Got off the phone with her, called a buddy of mine who owns a tire shop. There you go. And he told me, if you can, can get the truck here, we will take care of it. Excited, got off the phone with him, called Candace. And I said to Candace, we can get this fixed today. And she said, okay, what's the plan? And I said, we have to get it to a, um, to a tire shop on Bailey and, and, and Walden. And she said, oh, well, how are we going to get it there? I was like, oh, great questions. Call back my friend. <laughs> and I said, would you happen to know a tow truck? And he said, yes, here's my buddy's contact information, call him and let him know what's going on. He called his friend and he said, this would typically cost upwards of $200, but I'll give you a discount based on the situation. And I sure. said, sure, I, we can, I can handle that. And I said to him, how long will it take for you to get out there? an hour. I said, okay, fine. Let me go get ready. Within 10 minutes, he calls me back. My guy's going to be there in seven minutes. That's great. I ran over there. And by the time I got there, they already put in the, uh, the 10 passenger van on a flatbed. And I drove with them to the shop and they fixed the tires and I paid a tow truck and I called Candace. The the van is ready. Let's, let's. And food delivery started the next day. Exactly. Wow. Yep. How big is the need? How many people did you deliver to? I'm not sure. That's something that I would have to check in with Candace because once I did that, I realized there's other needs out there as well, and other organizations that are doing things. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, just kept it moving. But I have stayed in contact with her. As a result, you know, we managed to put together this farmers market.
4: Do you think food is the maybe one of the most important ones, but is it the biggest concern in the community right now? It is a big concern,
2: but I also believe. Another major concern, at least what I've been hearing on on the ground, is um, just access to jobs, access to good paying jobs. And this past weekend, I, I had several conversations with folks and I believe I heard several times hands on internship program, hands on, you know, means of providing skills to young people on the east side so I think those are some of the things that w- that we need to see more of on the east side to just move things forward Chichi
4: Owone, I'll get it right mm-hmm. help me help me pronounce that last name Owone. Owone. Mm-hmm. Chichi Owone is with us he's the corporate uh, responsibility officer community relations manager for KeyBank in western New York or at least in Buffalo and Rochester we're talking about some of the needs that he has noticed in the boots on the ground efforts on Buffalo's east side how do you tackle the one you just mentioned the idea of access to jobs let's just build a factory and suddenly have um i know i know it's not a, a silver bullet kind of situation
2: yeah oftentimes there isn't a whole lot of uh silver bullets out there to tackle a lot of these seemingly intractable decades in the making <laughs> challenges yeah. um i do believe that one of the things that I am incredibly proud of and grateful about is just seeing how the community have coalesced, um, come together as a result of 514. Um, I I am incredibly proud of all the wonderful organizations that has just stepped up their effort um, to help um, just heal the community and just try to understand what are some of the challenges. As an example, um, I am a board of directors uh, for Buffalo Urban League. and. Urban League they have been doing wonderful Mm -hmm. things um, in this community before 514 but the effort that
4: they've just shown since 514 is just remarkable remarkable yeah the president Thomas Buford has been in the very same chair you're sitting in talking about it on this program Um, are they in a position to themselves alone create that kind of access to jobs that you spoke of no but The Buffalo Urban League
2: um, is a chapter of National Urban League. And so they do have some, you know, some clout, Hmm. right? So I think when Thomas walks into a room, um, people take notice. When Thomas speaks, people do listen. So I think they can certainly um, help move the conversation, advance the conversation. Um, And I think going back to an earlier point in terms of, um, you know, what can be done, Uh, to further uh, the development of the east side Uh, I think our current governor she allocated a substantial amount of Mm -hmm. money you know towards um, the east side and I you know not to take credit but I think a lot of that is as a result of the initial work that we were doing that led up to
4: um, you know 514 yeah we have uh, efforted we're trying to get actually governor Kathy Hochul in here to talk about the 50 million and how that would end up being dispersed throughout the community. But if we're talking about uh, money getting dispersed throughout the community, I am mindful of the fact that you're with KeyBank. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking to a bank and talking about some of the issues on the east side, I think I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention briefly home ownership. Uh, Henry Lewis Gates at UB, I'm sorry, Henry Lewis Taylor at UB, has put together a study and said that in Buffalo overall, 40%... Of the city is owners 59 percent are renters but when you look at black Buffalo it's 37 percent owners and 68 percent renters this city has a problem I think with home ownership you would agree
2: absolutely what can be done a lot can be done I think first we could start with infill projects on the east side at UBRI, I think uh, the, the data that I have in my mind is about um, 1,600 acres of, of just empty lots mm, on the east side. That's a big number. Yes. So a lot can be done. There's a lot of in, potential infill projects that needs to happen. Um, but it requires everyone, or at least most everyone, <laughs> to be on the same page, at least in recognizing what the challenges are. And, uh, you know, at KeyBank, we, we truly, truly are committed to seeing the communities that we have branches and we are committed to seeing them thrive. And I think um, that's something that has, that should be part of the conversation in terms of um, home ownership. We are constantly thinking about ways in which we can partner with um, community organizations to further that mission of home ownership. As an example, we have partnered with um, the Buffalo Urban League. Uh, They have a a home ownership um, workshop program, and we've also partnered with Belmont Housing Services as well uh, to just provide that education to folks. But beyond just partnering with organizations that, that teach folks about home ownership. We also work with other organizations that provide um, credit counseling Mm. um, because some of those things are needed. So a lot of the organizations that we support and work with at our community partners, uh, they are in the business of basically helping folks get ready to become homeowners. And they also hold their hand along the way in terms of making sure that once they become homeowners that they actually stick in those homes. So you, you're right, it, it is a, it's a huge issue, and I think it requires all of us here in Buffalo to put our heads together, put our hands together to figure
4: out how best to approach this issue. In the broadest sense, not just on mortgages and ownership, but uh, food deserts, everything we've discussed thus far, in the broadest sense, are you an optimist? I am and I have to be as a black man I knew you're gonna say that you have to be yeah I
2: have to be as a black man in America I know the history so if you are not hopeful if you are not an optimist then you might as well just crawl into a hole you have to be an optimist you have to you have to believe in your heart in your hearts of hearts that you know tomorrow is going to be a better day
4: and yet the example I always cite uh, George Floyd I think was in everybody's living room it was something that was omnipresent white family black family either either way you would turn on the news and you would see it and you would feel it because it was right there unavoidable. a year later there's the shootings at the tops on Buffalo's east side um, was there to me there's a disconnect there wouldn't there have been change after George Floyd that would have perhaps uh, affected uh, Peyton Gendron, the accused shooter at Tops. I don't think so, because you still have people
2: who make a living off of stoking racial division, racial tension. And I think it has been shown or proven that this young man who drove over three hours to this community has been listening to some of those folks. Mm. And that's the reason why he chose the Buffalo Z side to come exact the level of terror and and fear um that this community has never witnessed before so yes George Floyd happened and everyone saw it and there were lots of marches and protests that has yielded some progress but Hatred.
4: <laughs> unfortunately, That's a bigger issue than any yeah any talk show. And, sure. and
2: before that, there was Dylan Roof, right? Yeah. Who walked into a M E church and shot up, you know, worshippers. So it's it's unfortunately, I don't think Buffalo is going to be the last time you see, you see something like this. But regardless, we have to be hopeful
4: and keep working towards a better a better country. And that brings it back around community response, obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate the opportunity. Chi-Chi Owone is the KeyBank Corporate Responsibility Officer, Community Relations Manager for KeyBank in Buffalo and Rochester. Coming up next, we'll talk with some people from the Parent Network of Western New York. Stay with us. This is Buffalo What's Next on WBFO.
3: Support for WBFO comes from Elderwood, helping seniors and their families navigate life's transitions. At Elderwood, we know the way more at elderwood.com support for wbfo comes from our members and from ksl diagnostics offering the covid19 immune index antibody test to help you monitor your infection risk and understand your immune status learn more
0: at immuneindex.com support for wbfo your npr station comes from our members and from elderwood from the anticipated to the unexpected change is part of life elderwood's team of professionals combine compassion with a wide range of resources to help seniors and their families navigate life's transitions featuring independent living assisted living and subacute rehab skilled nursing and more at elderwood we know the way more at elderwood.com
1: this is buffalo what's next where we have conversations with the community about moving forward To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And this is Buffalo What's Next. Our guests on this next segment Kimberly Kajoka, she's the executive director of the uh, Parent Network of Western New York, and also with us, uh, Bradford Watts, uh, Mr. Watts, known for his work with uh, People, Inc., but he is also co-chair of uh, the uh, board for Parent Network of Western New York. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us, Jack. Thank well, you for having us. A pleasure. Anyway, we, we're we going to be talking a little bit about disabilities and what about how parents and families are helped out when one of their uh, children perhaps has uh, needs, but Kimberly, why don't you just give us the the, the definition then uh, to start of a parent. Network of Western New York.
0: Sure, thank you so much. So Parent Network of Western New York exists to help parents and families of children with disabilities to need to access services in Western New York. We work in all counties of Western New York, all eight counties of Western New York. Um, a lot of the focus of our work is on educational advocacy, so we will work with um, families who perhaps their children aren't getting the services that they need or they might need more services, so we'll um, assist them in advocating with the school districts. Um, But we also work with children who are transitioning to adulthood. So if a child's graduating and, you know, what are the next steps? So we can help assist with what those next steps are. Um, But we also work with adults who are navigating the adult disability system so it might be OPWDD or the Office of Mental Health and you know what services are out there for them so if a parent has a child who may need residential services you know what steps can they take and we'll assist with those referrals and that information.
1: Let's just get into maybe the expansive services that are available because right there I think in itself is a helpful Conversation because there are people who just don't have a, an understanding of it. There might be somebody who has a friend, perhaps, who uh, has needs, and like I said, maybe the, the parents are gone. So, what, what kind of services are available?
0: So uh, we will provide um, one-on-one support so if a person needs specific uh, assistance perhaps sitting in on a CSE meeting a special education meeting for their child they don't have the skills right now to advocate for their child so we'll help them and coach them at how to do that. We have support groups so parents who have ongoing um, concerns that they want to talk to other families with and to provide support so we'll do that. Um, We also provide if a if a person let's say a person has a disability but that they hasn't been formally diagnosed as a disability our eligibility navigator will help them to gather all the paperwork that's necessary to advocate uh, or to um access services in those service systems um, we provide behavior support so if a family's struggling with a child's behavior um, our behavior specialist will go in right into the home and help them to um, understand what the child's trying to communicate and how to best meet that st- that child's needs uh, we also provide a lot of educational workshops and trainings so we um, not only to families we have over 70 different training curricula that we can provide to families but to educators to to um, academic staff, to uh, paraprofessionals and professionals in the disability field, um, and just to the community in general. So, a lot of different training that we do. And um, finally, we just have a, a plethora of online resources. So, if you go to our website at Parent Network Western New York, or Parent Network uh, you can just navigate our um, website for different resources.
1: When you talk about identification, and uh, Bradford, you can uh, perhaps uh, chime in on this as well. Is that an issue? Is it an issue when it comes to identifying, if it's your child or uh, your brother, niece, nephew, whatever the case may be, that that person might have some disability that qualifies them, that makes them in need for these services?
3: Yeah, I I agree. that I think that it's it's important to understand and it's different on on various, varying cultural sure, of course uh, levels in terms of how families will uh, deal with that disability or even in uh, allowing there to be some type of diagnosis or, or, or investigation to that, or support services to come in and around that. So it's important that the parent network provides that type of opportunity, that flexibility, has incredible staff that can begin to help in that process. As a young parent myself at the time, uh, it was a daunting process to come into a room of those that have these professional uh, letters behind their names sure. and, and, and many won't look like I look like. Uh, Uh, And they're telling me all of these things that I'm not sure of why you've selected my child for. Uh, And then you're also saying that this child will do this and that uh, and telling me that I need to follow along with what they're saying. Uh, To have a great organization to come in and and help and give you the tools and resources um, to help you navigate that is vital. And it's important when a when a, when a home, a family uh, is facing other challenges and struggles, and now they're dealing with, you know, a
1: loved one and child or a family member that may be struggling in that area. I'm wondering, Brad, if you don't mind, kind of maybe take us through mm-hmm. that process um, with your child. And again, we're probably going back a few years now where maybe... Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, you you're dating me, me, Jay. You did tell me you're a grand- <laughs> yes. grandfather. Uh, but, but in the sense that... Services have expanded. Mm-hmm. Places like Parent Network have come along, and so the conversation I think is out there about children yeah. with disabilities. Mm-hmm. But maybe it wasn't like that for you at the time. Can you maybe yeah, take us yeah, through can, that, that journey uh, yeah, for you take and your you family?
3: Back. I, and in early '80s, and in, in that time and frame, as a young, a young single dad. Um, You know, I knew that my daughter was struggling in some areas. And then as um, the school system would step in, it was the Buffalo Public School System that would, you know, come in and say, you know, you you need some assistance in these areas. But now I'm talking not only with the teacher, uh, but now I'm talking with psychologists and uh, psychiatrists, testing specialists and all these people in there gathered around this table. None look like me. You know, and and they're telling me all of these, you know, this data and this information. And, you know, now I'm shocked in a way of saying, okay, I knew that I needed some help, but I don't know if you're the people that can really help me. And I had nowhere to turn. The only thing that I knew um, at the time, because uh, I was going to school, is to try to research as much as I could. Ask a lot of questions to each and every one of them. I said, if this is your profession, Okay, explain to me how you came to this point. How did you find all of this out? I knew that there were some things, but how did you get this data? How did you get this information? How can I access it? What can you also teach me in the same vein as where I'm looking to help make sure that my daughter's getting the best education possible and that she's able to look forward to being successful in all those areas? And, um, you know, I made my way, thank God, I made my way through that process with a lot of assistance from finding teachers, going and talking with them as well, and how that they think that her learning style was, what she would need. So I was able to go and begin that process of advocacy, which is, is something
1: that many families and parents sometimes get overwhelmed with. I can imagine, mm-hmm. I, and I'm, I'm wondering, maybe, maybe Kimberly, you can talk about the, some of the parents you've dealt with, I would think there's that sense as a parent, I don't want to believe this. I don't right. want to believe, you know, that this perfect child mm-hmm. um, might not be, you know, have all of the developmental uh, elements that all children would have. Talk, talk to me about that experience a little bit.
0: Sure. Um, yeah. When you have a child, you have all these expectations for what they're going to achieve in their life. And when somebody tells you that they may not achieve those things, mm-hmm. that's that can be a grief that parents um, often go through. One of the things that I think is most um, special about Parent Network is most of our staff are parents of a child with a disability. So they've truly walked this walk that mm-hmm. our, our parents are calling us to go through and so there's um, they when they say I know what you're going through they truly do mm-hmm. know what they, they're going through but they can also then talk about their own child's successes and what they've accomplished in their achievements um, so in addition to just giving that information we're also being that that voice and that shoulder for that parent to um, to really voice those those concerns and those fears that mm-hmm. they have for their child's future and, and, and we can be that positive light to say no your child's going to be really successful and can exactly. be, achieve a lot
1: Right, and, and we should also mention the idea that when we're talking about developmental disabilities, there is a wide range, Absolutely. right, of yes. of individuals and the types of of care that they might
0: need, right? Sure, yeah. sure. And and you know, professionals uh, can say what they expect, but only the child and their and their parent really knows what they're going mm-hmm. to achieve. And and with with the right supports, uh, you know, we all we all need help to succeed, right? That's right. So. Yeah, we're, that's we're what society
3: doing. is supposed to Absolutely. do. You know, that's what we want to achieve with mm-hmm. in a society, uh, is that opportunity. And you know, I was I was so proud when I was asked by a board member at the time and told me about Parent Network. And as I looked into it, and I was like, wow, I could use this this yeah. resource. Oh, you know, this would have been great. And then I turned into being a grandparent not long after that, as I joined the board, and I was just so so happy and pleased to be able to say, you know, this is where you can go. You know, telling my daughter, come on in. I'm on the board. I know the staff. They're amazing. You know, you're going to, you'll get the support you need to help advocate for, for the children. You
1: know, when it comes to that, reaching out for that, that help and getting that help, a, a key part also is, again, breaking down the barriers. Mm-hmm. Parent Network relocated to the Broadway Fillmore neighborhood, what? two years ago maybe? Yes, in 2020. What, uh, what what prompted that move?
0: Sure. So about six years ago, yeah. um, a group of agencies came together and said, you know, we really want to do a collaborative model and, and provide services, um, a one-stop shop, if you will. And so it was Ep- uh, EPIC, Every Parent Influences Children, and the Mental Health Advocates. Um, they they were the three core agencies, along with the Learning Disabilities Agency, which has recently merged with Cantaletian to perform, to um, become the beyond support network so those four agencies started looking at this model doing all the research and the work finding a location and but it was a very intentional decision to move into the broadway film okay. area because um, we recognized that different pockets in the city of buffalo were, there's a great underserved population mm-hmm. so um the, the opportunity came that we got a fantastic building there and um we we moved in with the with the um intent to really work and focus on providing more services to these um, to those folks in that area um, as well as other areas on the east side.
1: What about outreach then? I mean obviously just having the location there is is key and I know there's no doubt about that Mm -hmm. but what about how do you get out into a neighborhood that has changed uh, dramatically in the last few years, and has mostly dr- changed over the last, you know, couple of generations.
0: Sure, I mean the Broadway Filmer area is so transitional in that there's a lot of refugees and immigrants that live in that area. So, um, it, and I think, but it's also what's unique about that area is it's also so many people in Western New York identify as being from that neighborhood right, myself and right, yes, my right, grandmother yes. lived in that neighborhood you know so i'm from that area um so i think there's, there's a sense of pride that makes it a tad bit easier for us okay. to go to go out and do that outreach but um we do a lot of outreach in whether we're uh, partnering with um organizations that are from that area and we'll table at events uh do those things, um, working with the schools in that area. So um, there's definitely an intentional outreach to um, reach those areas. Plus the building itself, we do things like having a farmer's market uh, a couple days a week. Okay. Uh, Jericho Road organizes that. They're the health center that's uh, in, one in the building as well. Um, you know, we're talking about doing trick-or-treating in the neighborhood and those mm-hmm. types of things. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's just getting out and being part of the community. You know, I've lunched the Broadway Market, you know, regularly yeah. and yeah. accessing those <laughs> services. So so you know really it's it's that um, the presence is important but the outreach has to be intentional we're
1: talking with uh, Kimberly Kajoka, she's the executive director of the uh, parent Network of Western New York and with her uh, Bradford Watts who is the co-chair of the board for the parent Network of Western New York cultural differences mm-hmm. come into play here don't they right um, you're talking about refugees but let this let's just talk about maybe going back to Bradford your experience um, like you said Back in the early '80s, you walked into a room. Everybody there didn't look like you, yeah. And yeah. you, but they wanted you to trust. Exactly. Trust and, and 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 I don't mean anything
3: disparaging in terms of you know our school systems are doing the best that they can, uh, and they're doing the best in terms of providing as much support to such uh, different cultures. Um, different backgrounds and different disabilities. Uh, so I, I want to make that clear. Sure. It was just, you know, when you're a young person, you're, you're single, you're, you're trying to do the best in terms of you can for your child. Uh, it, it can be daunting when you know that, the, you know, you've got a room of folks that you have no, you know, knowledge of. or And you got to build the relationship. So that was the important thing for me. Which is part of what I always do in terms of that is try to, as Kim was mentioning before, make that engagement opportunity to learn, uh, and engage, and get there to be a uh, a, a discourse of conversation around uh, my loved one. Right. And uh, so that was that was successful. I have to uh, to say that, but I can see. Um, especially being a product, Kim and I both are uh, proud East Buffalo East Side uh, products. Uh, they come out uh, into this neighborhood with a sense of pride, with a sense of uh, determination to, to be of service. And so a lot of times now that we see the the change in the dynamic of the culture that's around there. To have a Jericho Road Ministries that is in this building and bringing in uh, other populations and cultures into the, the, this area and arena. Uh, but there's a proud, I think, history in terms of how East Buffalo East Side um, always was this melting pot. I think, and I think that was something that 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 in is inherent in um, making the engagement process. Somewhat easier, but um, I think also necessary. Um, I think it's that hidden gem. A lot of times there takes a lot of pressure. I'm glad this show is here because we see that, you know, in this time of what has transpired after after May 14th, uh, there's been a lot of attention, uh, but there's been constant pressure that's been over on in this area of of the city. Uh, And and I think uh, it may have culminated in such a tragic uh, end in terms of what happened that day, but it's also been, I think that pressure point to where we're seeing uh, products of the community for service uh, really shining a light and creating this gem that has been hidden here on this side of town uh, for so long. And uh, I think it's bringing forth an intent mm-hmm. to, to be of service.
1: That's, I'm, I'm, and we're going to maybe get off the topic just a little mm-hmm. bit, but I'm, I'm glad you both kind of touched upon that. Because, you know, you're you know, with the Parent Network being there, your office is there, Kimberly. You're seeing a part of Buffalo in a way that maybe the whole Western New York population isn't seeing. And what what would you say about that? What would you want people to know?
0: It's so vibrant. I think there's so much vibrancy, and you know, especially being in that Broadway Filmer neighborhood, it's it's not just at Easter that the Broadway Market is a great place to be. Right.
1: Um, actually, it's It's it pretty crowded there in that uh, it some of those days. It does. It does. Story. It's actually, yeah, it does. <laughs>
0: um, but but it's there all year long. Right. And right. and and. and, and it's changed over the years, but it's vibrant. And and I, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. You know, I, I have a great window in my office and uh-huh. I get to sit from the fourth floor and look out and just see everything that's going on. Um, it's the diversity is something that needs to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. And and I'm so happy that mm-hmm. I think one of the bright lights that has come out of such a terrible tragedy of May 14th is the rest of Western New York. And really the rest of the country is seeing how wonderful, How you know, Buffalo's reaction to that is very to that event was very different than many other tragedies that have happened, mm-hmm. um, and th- I think that shows that the tenacity of Western New York, um, but also its beauty. Um,
1: that, that's a, a very nice way to put it, for sure. But how about for you, Bradford? I mean, do you do you see the uh, a similar situation? Like you said, that uh, that yeah, you, know, you you brought it up initially, the mm-hmm. idea that you know May 14th. You used the word pressure point, but that you know th- this is a time for this neighborhood to shine
3: it is it it, it, it's it's not only a time for this neighborhood to shine but it's also a time that a light is shined upon it Um, in terms of some systemic uh, issues that have plagued our community for so long and I think that is one other aspect that has to be addressed and and has to be talked about. And we've got so many great advocates that have come out of this tragic situation that is talking about uh, other inherent issues to that. Um, In the same way as I talked in terms of, you know, resources for parents, um, opportunities uh, to to be able to engage with uh, a specialist that has similar backgrounds or an understanding in what you're going through. Um, Cultural competency is one of the the necessary aspects to any engagement process, I believe. And so when we've got great support organizations that are coming alongside Parent Network and working in those fields and areas, um, when she speaks, you know, Kim speaks about an EPIC or a Buffalo Urban League organization, uh, the Jericho Road Ministries and so many other, and that you've got a network That's created to help in those particular fields and areas, because, you know, wraparound services is something that's necessary. You know, not only is the child in need that more the loved one in need that may have a developmental or intellectual or some type of uh, disabling condition, but it's uh, perhaps something that's also uh, hindering uh, that family from being able to be successful as well. And so how can we connect to that other provider? How can we create an opportunity or a network of wraparound service that helps you to achieve
1: those success points? Uh, and it's great to uh, get people who are on the ground. I, mm-hmm. I think that's what I, I, I kind of broke out into that uh, tangent there just a little bit, but I really do appreciate that perspective. But getting back then, Kimberly, a little bit to the, the cultural mm-hmm. differences in some of the way that you go about re- reaching out, you brought it up. Oh, a, a large immigrant population is, mm-hmm. is moving into the city of Buffalo, most certainly in the east side. Is there a, a gap? I mean, I, right off the bat, language has got to be a huge sure. part of it. But what about just those cultural differences that might be things that you need to break down?
0: So understanding what different cultures and there's a, a a lot of different sure. cultures in that area yeah. so understanding what each culture what their views are on disabilities i mean some cultures don't even recognize um that their child has a disability um, because there's so many other barriers language mm-hmm. use, as you said um you know understanding their background those types of things um, so understanding and, and that's where we had to educate ourselves sure. on knowing what those different cultures are you know we have a staff person that uh, is bilingual and is very entrenched in the hispanic mm-hmm. community um, we have staff that are they're african-american that understand the communities and and the relationships to perhaps the faith-based organizations that the african-american community really um relies on um so there definitely are barriers and uh that's where the the cultural competency competency as bradford mentioned is so important um and and we continue to do that you know that's going to be an an, uh, evolving um process for us right
3: I'm so proud, Jay, that she said that Kim says that, you know, um, so many some some of these things in terms of organizations, we have to be continually evolving, Mm -hmm. continually learning. Um, And when I mentioned that in terms of as a parent, that that I took a step back, but then I took another step forward to wanted to learn. And when you've got an organization like Parent Network that is willing to say, "Okay, we're in a different environment, but let's step forward to learn. Let's take that step forward. Let's engage. Let's learn. And let's move in a way that gives this opportunity for this group, this family, this
1: uh, loved one to have what's necessary for them to be successful. We wanted to make sure also that though we've been kind of focusing on the east side neighborhood, Broadway, Fillmore, Mm -hmm. where your office is, you're all over western New York. Yes. And with that, of course, you also... Uh, are involved with the Native American uh, community, a population of Western New York as well. Again, talk maybe a little bit about what you see about a a cultural difference i guess would be the way to say it.
0: sure i mean we have such close proximity to so many reservations here in western new york it's such that i think that's such a gift to us um but it it required special learning on the part of our staff to understand that you know in the in the african or the native american community children are raised by by communities um, it's it's not mom and dad. It's right. it's aunts, uncles, it's grandparents, it's other parts of the tribe that really help to raise those children. So understanding that, you know, it's when we talk to a family, we might be talking to an aunt, we might be talking to a grandparent, and you know, so in other situations, it's like, oh, confidentiality. Where does that, you know, what where does that line cross? And so having to under, really understand that this is so important for us to know that, um, because again, we, we make the wrong step, and you're mm. starting to alienate people from sure. the very beginning. Sure. So um, when
1: they need you the most exactly so exactly so
0: um that's it's an ongoing training and, right. and and um learning in those areas uh
1: we're winding down on our time here talking about the parent network of western new york but i want to put this to you bradford um kimberly just used the word ongoing learning process how about for you as a, as a father of a of a daughter with a developmental disabilities you know w- what can you tell us about that experience Oh, it, it's it's a
3: wonderful experience. I mean, when you talk about being a parent, you know it's it's always a great experience. You any any parents gonna meet with some challenges um, as they grow up. Um, I was very glad, as I said, that I was able to create a support network. One that first support network was my family. I had you know a great um, parent household that was in there for me to help support me along the way. And so that was one that I had Um, next to that was those teachers next to that was those providers that were in that room. Although it seemed scary at the time, once we began building a relationship, they became some great allies and resources for me to work with. Uh, And there's no better way now that I was able to expand upon that when I joined the board of Parent Network. But then they became a resource uh, and
1: support uh, to my grandchildren. And then finally, that support, that resources there at the Parent Network. How do people access it, Kimberly?
0: So you can go to our website, which is um, www.parentnetworkwny.org, or you can call us at seven one six three three two forty one seventy, and uh, we can, we're we're there. Uh, you know, Monday through Friday, and yes. certainly happy to to speak and and answer any questions. I think. For me, the, the proudest thing is when we hear that our referrals are from other parents that have used our services. That's great. So, yeah. you know, if you have, uh, you know, if you have a family member or somebody who, if you're listening and, and you know somebody that might uh, need some of our assistance, please, please have them reach out to us. i um, happy to help.
1: It's a simple name, Parent Network of Western New York. Kimberly Kajoka is the executive director and Bradford Watts is the uh, uh, co-chair of the board of directors for Parent Network of Western New York. Bradford, Kimberly, thanks for joining us. Jake, thanks, thanks for having, for having us. us. This is Buffalo What's Next. More to come on WBFO.